you, Sally, for reading our passage today. And let me add my welcome. Good morning and happy new year to, to add to Ray's welcome. My name is Andrew, and I'm a member of the church family here at Limesdown. And I'll be guiding us through God's word as he speaks to us today. But let me start with a word of prayer. Father, we pray that you would remove all distractions from us and that, that we would all be changed from the work that your powerful gospel will do here today. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Can I have our first slide, please? Now, last year, I was gifted for my birthday a Land Rover, a model Land Rover Defender Lego set. And with it, it comes with a 489-page book of instructions detailing everything I need to know of how to build this model. Now, I haven't started it yet. <laughs> I, will when I, I will when I've got the time. Um, but if I had built it, and it looked something like this on the next slide, even you know, without reading these instructions, the difference between where the model should be and where the model is. Well, today we're going to be looking at the model church. Today's passage is going to show us what the church should look like. And in this letter, if you look down at verse 1, we see that it is from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians church was a church that Paul founded in Thessalonica on his second ministry journey, along with Savannah, who he set off with, and also Timothy, who he came across and who joined them in the ministry journey um, in Acts 16. Now, Paul, when he came to Thessalonica, he did what he usually did. And we're going to quickly have a look at that in Acts 17. And so can I ask that you quickly all turn to Acts 17, and we'll be starting in verse 1. Now, first one, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Now, this church was a young church, not, not in terms of their their age, but in terms of their spiritual journey. They'd only just heard the gospel, and this church had only just been founded by Paul. And this letter to the Thessalonians only comes a few months after Paul's departure from there. Paul had not spent very much time with them at all. Only three weeks, if you look down at verse 2, on three Sabbath days. But even though he was only with them over a short period of time, if you look down at verse 4, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas and did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women, Paul has gained the gospel a large following here, consisting of all kinds of people, Jews, Greeks, and important women. And this is because of the power of the gospel. He describes the gospel well in his letter to the Corinthians. And so 1 Corinthians 1, 23, if we could have the, the slide up, please. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a folly to Gentiles. 
but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The power of the gospel, this message of Christ crucified, brings power and wisdom to those who are called. And this is the work that Paul is doing, spreading the gospel to bring power and wisdom to those God has called. But along with that comes opposition. If you look down at verse 5, but the Jews. Now, if you look down at your footnote, this probably refers to the religious, uh, sorry, the Jewish religious leaders, not the same Jews that have been persuaded by Paul. But, verse 5, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And when they had taken the money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Wherever the gospel is spread, opposition will follow. This young church, only three weeks after being founded, are being persecuted already for the reason of turning the world upside down. What an amazing thing to be called out for doing, turning the world upside down. As we've seen in our, our sermon series not long ago of an upside down kingdom in Luke's gospel, this gospel is upside down in the eyes of the world, completely countercultural, and so doesn't make sense to them. Now, this opposition that Paul and the Thessalonians face is so hostile to this message that is turning the world upside down that in verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. What a committed mob it was. Not only did they play a part in forcing Paul out of their city, but when they heard that the gospel was being shared in Berea, a whole 45 miles away, they went there as well to stop it. And in those days, it wasn't exactly a short, small journey. And this brings us back into this first letter of Thessalonians. So you can turn back now to, to 1 Thessalonians. Paul is really enthusiastic about this church in Thessalonica. After his initial visit and their acceptance of the gospel that he shared with them only a few months ago, he wishes to see them again. But so far, he's unable. He's been unable to come back and see how they're getting on and to encourage them. And in chapter 3, though, we see that Paul sent Timothy to go visit this young church to establish and exhort them so they could not be tempted to be moved away from the gospel and by the afflictions that Christians are destined to receive. Paul especially concerns because they've already experienced this firsthand so early on in their faith with the persecution from the Jewish leaders. When they were looking for Paul and when they were seeking 
um, their determination to chase after Paul to stop this gospel from advancing. I'm sure that the Thessalonians church haven't had it easy. Now, Timothy's report from his visit to this church gives Paul huge joy because of their faith and love. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage them. At the start of this letter, Paul publicly thanks God for the Thessalonians. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers. Paul is thankful for three things. Verse 3, remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is thankful to God that he has kept them since their initial acceptance of this gospel and that, that God has continued his work through that gospel. There is a real visible life change in the Thessalonians that shows that they have been changed by the gospel. Now, the first point to make a note of of this model church is their work of faith. This is explained more to us in verse 9, where it says, how you turn to God from idols. This is their work of faith, this action of turning to God from idols. This means that they trust God's promises and have turned away from their old lives, their old ways of living, their priorities have changed, and they've got God at the top. Now, when it says in verse 9 that they turn from God's turn from idols, sorry. It's not speaking of any idol in particular. As we saw in Acts 17, this church was made up of a mix of people. So idols for each person would have looked different, as I'm sure it would look different for each one of us here today. It includes the internal idols of sin, of which all humanity has, but also external idols as well. And so during this time, the Macedonian region, a lot of people worship the Greek gods. And in fact, the area that they're in, Macedonia, was named after Macedon, who is the son of Zeus. So in this work of faith, they abandoned all of these various idols and put their faith in the one true gods only. This is a characteristic of all true Christians and churches, that they will have this work of faith, this true faith. Now, the second point to make a note of of this model church is their labour of love. This is explained uh, more to us in verse 9 as well, where it says, to serve the living and true gods. This is their labour of love this action of serving and living for this true God. This means that because of their love for God, they will, they will live out the will of God. They will do his work. And we'll look into some of this work a little later on. And so this is another characteristic of true Christians and churches, that they will have this labour of love, this true love. And so the, ne- the next point to make a note of, of this model church is their steadfastness of hope. And this is explained more to us in verse 10, where it says, 
to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. This is their steadfastness of hope. This waiting for Jesus to return. They have a certain hope. They know that they know that for sure Jesus will return and to take them to be with him. They could be certain because he is the one that was raised from the dead, proving that the work of the cross, that deliverance from wrath was successful. And this hope is not something that they're going to be moved from. This hope also inspires them to endure any sufferings that they may have to face. And so this is another characteristic of all true Christians and churches, that they will have this steadfastness of hope, this certain hope. Now, by looking at all these things, what I'm not trying to say is you all need to work harder to be like the Thessalonians because we know that it's not in their own power that they're doing this. In verse 4, Paul says it is because for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. They are loved and chosen by God. These things show that they are part of the elect. God has loved them first. He has chosen them first. It wasn't because of anything that they did. It was all the work of the gospel. And Paul explains it is because, in verse 5, because our gospel came to you, not only in words, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It is all God's work which he does through his gospel. As we've seen, the gospel will always bring opposition And so on top of all these three things, verse 6, they became imitators of us. They became imitators of Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, who all had to persevere through opposition, which they've seen firsthand. Paul reminds them that they know exactly what he's talking about because they saw it. Verse 5, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And they are having to persevere through the persecution and the opposition themselves. Um, They also, in verse 6, are becoming imitators, verse 6, and of the Lord. Jesus also had the same experience when he came to earth. Jesus faced opposition, uh, persecution, and affliction, and even to the point of death on a cross. And so all followers of Jesus will face persecution and so become imitators of those who came before them that follow Jesus and imitators of Jesus himself. So for us, if we call ourselves Christians, we can be imitators of the Thessalonians, following their example as they faced persecution. Now, Thessalonica at the time, at this time, was a Roman city, populated of Greeks, Jews and Romans. It was a major trade hub, which had a port, making it accessible by sea, but also it had two major Roman roads um, nearby, which allowed trading from from the east to Rome. 
It was the capital, largest and most important city in Macedonia. And so this church was in a prime location for evangelism. This great gospel message that the Thessalonians are now completely living, they just can't help but spread it and tell others about it. And people were talking about them from all over. If you look down at verse 8, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that, we meet, so that we need not say anything. Paul is finding that on his ministry journey that people have already heard the gospel from this church in Thessalonica. What is interesting here is that Paul uses a phrase never used anywhere else in the New Testament to describe their evangelism. If you look down at verse 8 again, it's the, Lord, the word of the Lord sounded forth. This phrase would be better suited to describe a blast from a trumpet. And so their evangelism was heard and it was clear like the blast of a trumpet would be. The Thessalonian church has become an example for other churches as well around this area and also for us as well. Verse 7, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Other churches and more established churches their jaws must have been on the floor when they heard of this church in Thessalonica. What an example model church they are. I would say that this is the perfect model of the church. And so, like that model of a Land Rover, I will get round to building at some point, this example of the Thessalonian church is exactly what God intended it looks exactly like it should be, exactly like it is on the cover, on the box. There are no bits left in the box afterwards. And so as, as we, if we call ourselves Christians, we should see in ourselves this faith, love and hope that can be seen in this church. Now, Christians in the room, I haven't come here to put you down spiritually, as we start 2023, because perhaps our, our lives don't look like the Thessalonians church. But as we live our Christian lives and spend time in the gospel, we see that we are spending time in something that has so much power that has produced this model church in such a short period of time. And so as we pray, we can pray for ourselves, our church, and like Paul, we can pray for other Christians that, that we would all be like the Thessalonians and have this work of faith, labour of love, and steadfastness of hope, and this uh, imitation and evangelism that they had. And so if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I say to you, read the gospel for yourself, or keep coming along to find out more um, as this powerful gospel can work in you like it did for these Thessalonians to understand and also to change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Thessalonians and their example for us. We pray that you would use your gospel in all our lives to give us the faith 
love and hope that the Thessalonians had. And so as we start this new year, uh, we pray that you would always be changing our lives for your work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.